0: This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same. Come on, never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever.
1: Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin... The Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children.
0: Thank you, Phoebe. Thank you can put it over there. Come on, give God a good praise, right? He's worthy. You may be seated. Thank you, Phoebe. Beautiful reading of the word. Thank you for being here today. Uh, I want to share something that is very close to my heart that I have worked out in my life. It's going to kind of pull it all together for you. If you've been coming a long time, back in the fall I started with prayers of a skeptic and talked about my struggles with prayer and sometimes feeling like God doesn't even answer my prayer and sometimes maybe he doesn't even care that I'm praying and I shared that. And then... That led into faith of a skeptic, of trying to be as uh, transparent as I could about Robin and I's journey th- last year through her cancer diagnosis she received, and where does faith play into all of that, and why sometimes it's seemingly my faith works, and other times I wonder if I have any of it, and I try to be fair, and then that led into truce of a skeptic, all the scriptures that I would read that would challenge my brain, but I would try to trust it anyway, and so that's been since about August of last year, so it's been a long journey, but I've tried to do it in a way that's meaningful to us, and today it kind of wraps it all up uh, in one um, thing that I'm going to share with you, because it touches prayer, a prayer life, it touches your faith, and it touches a little bit of skepticism, because I still don't really understand it all, but I just believe it all, and so it's going to touch it all. But I believe it'll help you if you'll just listen. And here's going to be the challenge today. If you're brand new with God, like you've been in a little while but not long, what I share will probably uh, stretch your brain place a little bit. If you've been saved a long time, it's really just going to depend on what kind of church you grew up in and to what pastors and leaders taught you and what they believed and then uh, if you've been, you know, around what I'm going to share a long time, hopefully you'll just give a good shout amen uh, that, that if you've applied this to your life. So let's jump into what Phoebe read. And here's a thought first from our weeks gone by in every heart. If you're a follower of Jesus, you walk with him, you live for him, and then this has been the phrase I've been holding on to, every heart. Like, there are expectations... That God has on all of us, whether you're long time in God, short time, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecost, it doesn't really matter. But it's an expectation he places on all of us. If you're in a bad situation, a good situation, he just has expectations. Here they are. This is what we talked about. Easter, we talked about all of us in the room have to risk our pride. There are going to be things where God asks things of us that our pride's going to be like, yeah, I just don't know. I don't know if I want to raise my hands. That feels really awkward. I don't know if I want to clap. I'm not a clapper. Uh, I don't know if I want to give because what if I can't afford it? There's always a pride. I don't know if I want to go to God because I feel like I bother Him. But you have to risk pride. The second thing we said on Easter is you've got to risk emotion. There, you know, there are going to be times you might have to cry it out. There, there may be some times it's a risk emotionally. You're going to have to risk trusting God. You're feeling like you're falling apart, but you got to trust Him through the hard times, not just the good times. And then you got to risk effort, and you did that today. You got out of bed, you got dressed, you came here. Well, that's a risk, right? Maybe something good will happen, maybe not, but it's a risk that if you show up on a corner like this and worship that God is going to honor you coming, but it does take risk. In other words, you can't be a lazy Christian and expect a lot to happen. You know, God, I just want you to do everything. I don't want to do anything. I want you to bless me financially, but I don't want to give. I want you to fix all my problems, but I don't want to change anything. And then this last week, and I want to tag on to this and keep going, everybody in the room has to live beyond your logical ability. There's just no way around it. I wish, <laughs> I wish that I could tell you that you'll always be able to figure God out. But if you could, Reginald, if, we, if me and Reginald could get together, go to lunch and, and pin, let's, let's figure God out. We will, he and I, on our best day of brilliance, would fall way short. And if we added Ryan, who's more brilliant than Bozak, we would all three still fall short. And if we added Robin in, we'd get really close, but we'd still fall short. I think it's meant to be that way. I think it's meant to be that there's a mystique to God that he's God and you're not supposed to figure him out or he might not be God. He would be Bill Gates. We could figure him out. Right? I mean, just logically, if, if God was just a, a human alone, we could psychologically evaluate him and figure out why he does what he does. But if he's God and he's the creator, there is an aspect where you just won't figure him out. Like, why did he kill his son? I mean, in the logical realm, that's just stupid. But on his realm, he's trying to fish us out of logic. You go and read the Gospels, most of Jesus' teaching was to fish us out of the logic and to teach us how to live trusting him. Father, I don't want to go to the cross, but into your hands I commit my spirit. Even Jesus teaches us that there are places even the Son of God himself had to let go of logic and just believe his Father could put him in a supernatural realm where the Spirit of God would work. So that's where I want to take you today. So that's what I, when I started. There's going to be a place today where logic in your brain may be really firing on all cylinders. And it may be, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense, and that's okay. I want you to study it out. I want to teach it in such a way to you today that hopefully it will challenge you to to kind of move into this realm of of how do we practically every day live beyond logic? Because there's a fine line between beyond logic and you're just stupid. Like that was just dumb. A fine line, and I'll give you an example. There was a woman years ago, when I say years ago, this is mid-1980s, But she felt like that God was her resource and her provider. Great, there's scripture for that. God provides for us. So because she felt like God provided for her and she had a scripture that whatever you confess happens. Okay, good. Again, scripture. She took the God as my provider and I can have anything I say, whatever I say will happen. Mountain be removed, the mountain will be removed. She. This honest story. She went to an auto dealer and ordered a customized van. Back then it was about $36,000, so today probably $70,000. She ordered a customized van. They ordered it for her because they trusted her and knew her. When the van came in, she told them, oh, oh, I have no money. I'm believing God was going to provide for me, and I've been confessing that it's mine. Well, how many of you know that the car dealer really didn't care about her faith? They wanted a $36,000 check, and they were miffed about it. And it caused a real stink. So I do know that there is a place where logical ability should just make sense. Don't order a van if you can't remotely pay for it. But there also is a learning to live beyond logic. And like I said, there is a fine line between just being dumb and, and being full of faith which is why I believe discipleship is so important. But let's jump into it. Here, here's the scripture Phoebe read. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. I don't want to dwell on it, but sometimes sinful things can just be things that are not faith-oriented. You're just only thinking about jobs, you're only thinking about money, you're only thinking about natural things. Not saying that's a sin, but it borderlines not ever living beyond just what you can reason in the natural. But those who are controlled, it doesn't say those who are born again, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit. It would lead me to think this, that there is a place in God where you may be born again, but you're still in charge. You're you're going to heaven because you've prayed the prayers, you believe in Jesus, but... But this controlled by the Holy Spirit is a real strange thought because it tells me God is not just trying to get you into eternal life. He's trying to be part of everyday life. He's not just trying to keep you out of hell. He's trying to make sure hell doesn't happen right here. In other words, He wants heaven to come to earth. Well, the only way heaven could come to earth in the natural realm is I have to learn to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And that's a difficult thing. That in itself says I've got to live outside of reason. That in itself says I have to live outside of logic. And all of the world is bombarding me with logic and reason. And so my opinion, and I'm I'm part of it too, I've probably flunked the test myself. Like, I'm cool that I'm born again. I I genuinely believe if I pass this earth, I'm going to go to heaven and live with God because I've done what Scripture tells me to believe in Jesus. But Mark Evans learning to be controlled by the Holy Spirit when I feel like my life is out of control sometimes is a hard road to hoe. <laughs> and I've been saved a long time and sometimes it's still hard <laughs> to hoe that row of control. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind and I highlighted the two words that are, I want to teach you today is life and peace. I I have learned, maybe the hard way, but I've learned it. I've learned that God's desire for Mark is not necessarily that every, every road of mine is bump free or every rose doesn't have a thorn in life. But that the end result is that God is always moving me to a place of life and I believe that's His life in me and a life of peace. And He wants to take me there on this planet right now. His goal for me is life and peace. Life, we would say, well, eternal life. Believe in Him, you're going to go. But the word peace throws me for a loop. Because God has an expectation on everybody in this room. You, if you're a born-again believer, would be controlled by the Spirit so that peace is the natural outflow of your life. This is what it would tell me. If my natural outflow is not peace, I'm frustrated, mad, uh, angry, fearful. I could probably deduce Mark is not being controlled by the Spirit right now. Because I'm falling apart. And I feel like, man, I have zero peace. But I do want to throw this out to you to let you think on it. Is that the goal of God is every heart in this room comes to a place of peace. Right? Marriage struggle, health struggle. Whether life changes or not, peace comes. So here's my thought for the day, and then a question. My thought is it is possible to experience life in peace in spite of any circumstance that life throws at you. It's possible. I'm not saying it's gonna happen, it's possible. All right, so at least got to get you there because if we're not careful as Christians, we just go, ah, nothing's going to change. He's always been that way. Marriage is always. And we just kind of put ourselves in nothing's ever going to change and just kind of eek by, grit your teeth, hold on to the end, hope you don't die early. I don't believe that's what God wants. I believe what God wants is peace for Mark even when Robin calls and says, the doctor said the biopsy is cancer. And to be at that place, I don't think you get to that place being lazy. I believe you got to press in. That's Pentecostal. I I believe you just got to suck it up and go for it. Because peace doesn't naturally come. It does, I guess, if you're a drug dealer, a drug addict, peace comes. But that peace, after the hit or after the shot or after the swallow, that peace leaves you typically with a headache or regrets. So I'm not, I'm not talking neither am I talking about a peace like a yoga instructor. I want you to go to your place of inner peace. I want you to focus. I want you to get your thoughts. I mean, because that is true. Like there are people that teach a yoga class and they teach you how to center your energy and center your balance and there are some Eastern religions that teach the same thing that you go out, sit in a field, you become one with the tree or the birds or nature. So I'm not talking about that kind of peace because maybe we could find a, a temporal peace by doing things that other religions do or other people. So I can't deny that there aren't psychological, meditational things you could potentially try. But even that peace is different from the peace he's talking about. Because there's nothing about the peace of God that is going to be logical peace. Otherwise, we wouldn't, you know, there would be no reason to say it if, if yoga could do it for everybody. He'd just say everybody needs to go take a yoga class. But he's talking about a peace that is beyond reason. A peace that is beyond logic. So that's the thought that it is possible for everybody. And the good thing is I'm not going to ask you to sign up for a yoga class. (laughs) No no charge at all, right? Here's the question. And this has been my question. How is this life of continual peace even possible? Because I I highlighted continual peace because I, I believe I'm okay with temporal peace. Like, oh man, it's been a great day. Oh God, the devil's riding me hard. Oh, Jesus, man, things are good. Oh, God, I'm just waiting on. And that's kind of the way religion people think. Well, it's been good. I'm just waiting on the next shoe to drop. Like It's almost like if it's too good, you just expect you're going to bottom out because that's just how life goes logically. It's been too good. devil's going to get me. I highlighted the word continual peace because I believe that's what God's going for, Rosa. A continual 24-7, I'm good. I'm just good. Yeah, but things aren't going your way. I know, but I got a piece. All right, so uh, that's what I want to teach you in the, in the most practical way I can how to get there. And again, it's going to be outside of reason and logic, so, but maybe it'll make sense to you. Here's the verse, that I want to take you on a journey. Here's the scripture again, but I highlighted a different word. Those that are dominated by the sinful nature, think on sinful things. Those controlled by the Spirit, think on the things of the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. And then I highlighted what I really want you to focus on in pink at the bottom. But you have to learn to let the Spirit control your brain. Now that takes some thinking. I've got to learn to let the Spirit control my mind. Because now I'm understanding that there's something about the mind that is connected to my continual peace. Not my body, my mind. It's why you can meet somebody who's sick, but because they've got a handle on their mind, you would never know it because they're like, yeah, I'm good, man. And then you can meet some people who are good, but you look at them and you think, my God, they're falling apart. And everything's good, but their mind tells them they're falling apart. That's why you meet a skinny person who goes, I'm fat, I'm fat, because their mind tells them they're fat. You're looking at them like, you're not fat at all. But the mind has such power. And God knows it has such power that he will even tell us this mind has to think like Christ. So the battle is not circumstances. Circumstances will always try to trip you up. And serving Jesus doesn't fix those. You get them whether you like it or not. It's life. But the difference of response is not whether God likes Ryan more than me and Ryan has a better life than me and Ryan's family was better than my family and upbringing or my uncle did something sexual to me that really bothers me or my wife left me. I wish I could say that once you're a Christian, none of that garbage happens. But we all know in the room it does still happen. Even when you're saved, sometimes things don't go your way. Even when you're born again, sometimes evil people do things to you that they shouldn't do. But the difference in the outcome is not what was done to me or around me, but how my mind handled it. And again, I wish I could say psychology was the answer to all, but we know that's not true either because a lot of people go to psychiatry and psychologists and take medicine, but it doesn't really fix it. It may be masked the problem, but it really doesn't fix it. And so Paul says that once the Spirit controls your brain, your thinking, your thought life, the end result will be peace for you. Like, nothing about Robin changed. She still had to go to a doctor. She still had to run through four rounds of chemo. But I can tell you in our home, the moment the Holy Spirit got a hold of this woman's brain, things changed. And the moment the Holy Spirit got a hold of my mind, I hope my daughters who were here could say things did change. Like, if you knew Robin and you were part of the first Four weeks, okay? You're part of the first four weeks of her diagnosis with surgeries and in the beginning of her chemo rounds. In the first few weeks, you would have thought she's literally falling apart. How could a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, Bible-reading woman be falling apart? I'll tell you why. It's not because God's mad at her. It's not because the devil's big. There was a place, and I think she would agree, there was a place where her brain was not being controlled by the spirit. Her mind was being controlled by herself. What if? This could happen. Her mind was controlled by Google knowledge, all the knowledge. I said this in the past, so I won't belabor it, but there was a point she would testify where she woke up one day. I could even testify because everything about her demeanor shifted. You would almost think it was magic. You would almost have thought they gave her an anxiety pill. But in that moment, the Spirit of God grabbed her mind and she came under the control of the Spirit's control of her mind and the end result was just peace. Like nothing changed, but something changed. A, a supernatural Holy Spirit peace came over her. As if, weird though, as if she couldn't even worry. You have every reason to worry, but she cannot worry. I just know God's got this. I know the Lord. Now, that is not magic. That is a potential for everybody in this room to have that. That you can wake up and just go, I don't know. Is your marriage better? No. Why are you so good? Because I decided to let the Holy Spirit control this. Because, man, I'm digging myself in a hole. When I'm in charge, I'm just at rock bottom. Alright, here's the next verse. But you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit highlighted if. Meaning, not everybody is going to let God do this. And God knows it. Not everybody is going to come to a place to go, Alright, control my mind. It's a big if there. But but the the if is, do you really believe the Spirit of God is living in you? This is where it gets really weird beyond logic. Now, most of us who are Christians would say, I believe in Jesus, I believe He lives in me. And I, I think mentally they probably do. But do you really believe that? that God, the, the eternal God, is living on the inside of Daniel right now. The, the, the living God is in me, and he's alive. He's not down there in a recliner just going, well, I wonder when Jesus will come get him. Ooh, he's the most boring person ever. Like He's not just on a recliner trying to keep me from going to hell. He's living in me. It's the thing about Christianity that's different from all other religions... ...is that we're trying to get to God. Christianity is God got in me. He, and He wants to live in me. So when I say controlled by the Spirit... ...I mean an understanding that life is within you trying to work with you. That's what's going on. It's not just religion to keep you out of hell... Born again is learning to live in a different way than you've ever lived before because it's learning to live by the spirit that's inhabiting you. Like right now, if you claim to be born again, then what you really believe is that the living God is living in you right now. He's alive in you. All right, here's the next verse out of Romans 8. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's Spirit. So the moment you get born again, God's Spirit comes in, and here's where it really gets tricky. Now we call Him Abba Father. Without teaching on that, this is the thought of that, is the word Abba is a very personal, uh, relational, close-minded, not uncle, uncle uncle-father, meaning the daddy who's really far away. The daddy who never pays attention to me. The daddy who doesn't know I'm in trouble. The daddy who hadn't checked on me in forever. The daddy who left my mother. No, it put the word Abba in front of us because Abba is very intimate, personal, I know you. It's the difference in my girls calling me dad versus someone else calling me people. (laughs) One is very intimate, and then the other is just that's what they call me. So God says that there will be be something in you that will understand that this fatherhood is very personal to you. I'm not just the God up there. I'm the God in you and I'm very personal. I care about you, Abba. I want to help you, Abba. I want to lead you, Abba. I want to bring you peace, Abba. And I'm trying to do that, watch now, not from heaven. I'm trying to do that within you. Because that's where I live. So when I hear people say, I just feel like my prayers never go beyond the ceiling, they don't need to because the God that is there is in you. He's, he's listening in you. He's not listening up there, though we could hear it up there, but He put His Spirit in you. And because His Spirit is living in you, then as you're speaking, He's already listening here. And as you're hoping something will happen there, he's stirring here. Because I feel like God's so far away from me and never listening. It's like, that's a lie. He's not so far away. He's in you and he's heard everything you said. Perhaps it's just you don't know he's in you and he's trying to do something because you're still in control. And you're hoping he'll take over out there and do something here on the earth and he's thinking I'm already on the earth. I'm in you, dwelling in you, so I'm waiting on you. You're waiting on me, I'm waiting on you. Because this is hindering me from doing it. It's not the devil that's stopping me, Mark. It's you. I've already dealt with him. It's you I'm having the problem with. Right? That's kind of how I work it out. Now listen, because this is staggering beyond logic. For his spirit joins with my spirit to remind me he is Abba. Now that's a weird thing. His spirit joins with my spirit. I think most of us in the room may understand I'm a spirit being but, and he's out there and I'm down here. But what I'm hearing is, is that his spirit and my spirit have this union together, this joining together. So now what is going on is there is a connection problem between his and mine and it's this. Like he's trying to join with me to give me peace, but this keeps cutting the umbilical cord. I wish God snapped. I wish he snapped. And the Lord's like, I'm trying. You keep cutting the cord every time because your brain won't shut up to get out of the way to let me do what I want to do. Look at the next verse. It gets deeper and thicker, and it really makes me start wondering. Now he's going to tell me how logically this happens. And it's for everybody in the room. The Holy Spirit helps our what? Come on, talk back to me. The Holy Spirit helps what? I know it's early, We help me out. <laughs> so now the assumption is God's smart enough to know not everybody that claims to be a Christian is going to be brilliantly strong. You're going to have weak moments. You're going to have moments where life takes you by surprise. You're going to have moments where the carpet's ripped out from under you. God's okay with that. He's not trying to say that you'll never be weak. For example, he says, you don't know what God wants to pray for, but now he tells me how this inner peace will happen. But what does the Holy Spirit do? Praise for us. Now that means right now on the inside of Mark... When I'm born again, there is a living being who is living in me. And that living being is trying to connect to Daddy. And that living being is doing his best to connect to Daddy, but Mark's being is getting in the way of the two living beings conversating with one another. Here would be the thought for you. Do you believe if God gives you the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in you, Do you think that the spirit in you never again wants to talk to daddy? All right, so that's a weird thought. If the spirit is put in me by God and God's spirit is there, am I foolish enough to think the father never wants to talk to his own spirit that lives in me? It would be no different than your daughter getting married to a man just because she married a man or do you expect her to never come see you or call you or say hello again you would hope and if they didn't you would think something's wrong must married a jerk i sometimes wonder if god doesn't feel that way like i gave them my spirit but they never let my spirit talk back to me because they won't get their head out of the way And I'm trying to download things to that spirit to tell her spirit, to tell her mind, this is what could happen. But every time I tell my spirit to commune and join with her spirit, her spirit won't let me because her mind gets in the way and no wonder she's a royal wreck. Because what God is trying to do is download info to his spirit from his fatherhood so that his spirit communes with my spirit and then my spirit understands that my head needs to shut up So that's how a Christian could be born again and miserable. Is because God's firing off wisdom, the spirit's getting the wisdom, downloading it to me, and then I'm like, I don't care, I gotta Google. I gotta figure out, well, I gotta fix this. Now that is what's going on in your inside you. I know you can't see it visually, but the visual is the Father is talking to his Spirit, who's joining with your spirit to lead you to a place of peace. And the the cog in the wheel is your brain. That's the problem. It's not the devil. It's it's not the government. It's your brain. We always want somebody to be the problem. Now, here's what happened. He says, The Holy Spirit will pray for you in groanings that can't be expressed in words. In other words... God tells me that there's a language the Holy Spirit speaks. It's not English. It's not Chinese. Now on the day of Pentecost, they spoke actual languages from the Holy Spirit. But what this teaches me is that the Spirit Himself has a language. I don't know what it is. The Bible never tells us. But the Spirit Himself has a language that He speaks to the God with. It's a God kind of language, like His words to God, the Father's word. Here's the weird thing. If we even try to define that logically, the only way we can assume is that maybe His Spirit speaking English to Him and He hears English. Or if you're Japanese, the Spirit in me speaks Japanese and He hears Japanese. No. You speak Japanese and the Father can hear Japanese because that's really weird, like, like He hears all languages. But he himself has a language that is beyond any natural language we could speak called the language of the Spirit. Uh, If you're Pentecostal, we would call it praying in the Spirit. And we would try to go, what language is that? Because there's the reality that we could speak a language like the day of Pentecost, but beyond the day of Pentecost speaking in tongues, there is a... Spirit and the only way it can be defined, which is beyond logic, it's it just cannot even be expressed in words. Like how weird that there's there's a spirit in me that's talking to Abba Father in words I can't even understand. Well is is it is it quiet? Are they whispering? Are they chit-chatting without my knowledge? It seemingly when it says groanings that can't be expressed in words is that the assumption is the language is still coming out of your mouth but you don't understand it because God is bypassing the brain and just allowing the spirit to talk directly to daddy through your mouth. How weird is that? That is on a whole other level of weird. That is 1970 smoke-something Woodstock weird. Like there is, and just stay with me. I don't want you to go out of here thinking I'm really weird. I'm trying to, to help you figure something out. Like, if, if I can believe God could make the universe, do I believe he could put the spirit in me? Sure, good with that. But do you believe that the two talk to one another? Of course they do. It's a spirit and a father. Of course they do. He has to download information. He has to give me wisdom. Then that spirit meets with my spirit. But he tells me in weak moments when my brain can't get it done, when I'm at wit's end, that the spirit wants to watch. Now, not me pray. Who's praying? The Holy Spirit is praying, not Mark praying. My prayers are like, oh, God, man, help him. I, in words I can understand. Ooh, Jesus, I hope he touches you. Whew. It's a big one. Those are words I can understand. And amen. But there's something where the Spirit prays, assuming, this is the assumption, that he's, uh, weird, borrowing my mouth to speak to the Father because words have life. But they're words of life that the old noggin can't understand. And I just feel like I'm going shibby, shibby, shooby, shibby, shibby. That's stupid. Sounds like Scooby-Doo. Like just, I can't, I can't do it. I know you can't do it because logic says, that's stupid. You're just mumbling words. He even tells you that's what's going to happen. You're going to groan with expressions you just don't understand. And I'm not talking groaning like, ah, oh, God. Get me out of this hell hole. I can understand that groan. like, But this is something that if we tried to write it down, I'd be like, dude, I don't know what's going on, but something inside her is talking to something out there. Now, I know that's spooky, but I'm trying to get you to see that this is a place beyond logical ability. Now, watch this. The father, back to Abba, the Father who knows all hearts knows what you're saying? No. Knows what? Knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit, woo! I dance more have a pink shirt and I'll start sweating and look nasty. <laughs> you're welcome. What? Just let it sink in a minute. This is mind blowing. The Spirit will pray words I can't understand, but the Father understands that what's going on is the Spirit is pleading for Mark Evans' life. Woo! The Spirit of God in me is pleading for me, talking to Daddy one-on-one, and they're having a conversation, man, and I'm just listening in. What are they saying? Dude, I ain't got a clue. But when it's over, Daddy, God is going to come through. Now, that is literally what's going on. All hell is breaking loose. And Mark Evans is like, God, help me. I plead with you. I plead with you. I don't understand. I don't. And God's like, okay, shut up a minute. I'm going to do something, Mark. <laughs> what are you going to do? Give me a check. Give me help. Something. Take this pain from me, God. And God's like, you really want me to? Yes, I want you to. All right, it's going to blow your mind, Mark, because what I'm about to do, you're not going to understand it, but I need my spirit to join with your spirit so your spirit will talk out of your mouth in words you can't understand to me that I will understand. And on behalf of the spirit who's praying the perfect will of me, I'm going to blow your mind. (laughs) And all of a sudden, that thing we call speaking in tongues, guttural languages of bunch of shibby shibis shoot a pecan down who stole a behind to tie my bow tie and we've really messed it up as humans God's like you humans mess everything up I want to do I'm just simply asking you am I big enough to borrow your mouth to have a conversation with myself I would love to debate anybody on that do you believe in speaking in tongues So what you're saying is, do I believe that God's big enough to carry on a conversation with His Spirit to my spirit through my mouth? Yes or no? Sure I do. The question is not, is God big enough? The question is, will your logic shut down long enough to allow it to happen? Not whether or not it could happen. I mean, if He can create the universe, He could speak to Himself, by Himself, through me, because He wants to plead for me. Now, if the devil knows this, that God wants to plead for you through words that cannot be expressed, do you not think the devil's going to work overtime to tell you this thing called tongues is stupid and demonic? Because he doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't want God talking to God through you so that great things could happen. He wants you in your logical brain, on your knees, crying out to God because you can't figure out life And God's like, good, it's time for you to shut up talking to me in English and let me have a conversation with myself. Because that's what's going on. The Spirit is conversating with Daddy and just bypassing Mark. Borrowing my mouth to talk. They're not just down here communicating via walkie-talkie. And I'm just like... He's expressing through my mouth. Words I can't understand logically, but they're obviously having a good conversation because I'm at peace. I don't know what they just said to each other, but they said something because my life is different. Next verse. And we know, now, this is the most taken out of context verse of all taken out of context or verses of verses. Almost every Christian will quote this. Now we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those. And everybody's like, amen. Because we love that. I love this verse. God's working everything to my good. Honey, honey. That verse is post-verse 27. Back up a verse, Ryan. If this ain't happening, that might be why God doesn't seem to be working on your behalf. You're in verse 28. You hopped over 27. I don't know why it ain't working, because you won't shut up. You won't shut your head up. You won't get out of logic long enough to let God work it. Because the way he works it is his spirit talks to his fatherhood about me to take me to a place where good things come out of it. Yeah. And he does it with words. O ro that cannot be expressed in the English or Japanese or Chinese or Asian or Mandarin languages. It's it's his language speaking to himself in the most intimate way. I want to give you one thought, all right? This is a thought. I had a friend of mine who was an English-speaking, an American citizen, but had grown up in another country in Africa. Her own comment was she hears God better in her native language. Her, her Her native tongue... When she prays, it's her native tongue. When she talks, it's her native tongue. Not that she couldn't speak English, but when she read her Bible, it was in her native language, not English. When she prayed, she prayed in her native language. And I said, why do you do that? You speak great English. And she said, because I, I feel more intimate when I talk to God in my native language. I think most of us would probably agree with that. So why are we so upset that God has a native language this beyond anything on earth. Really ponder this for a minute. What language do you think we're going to speak when we get there? If you're English, it's like, well, we'll all speak English. But if you're a different nationality, you think when it's all over, you're going to talk to God in your tongue because that's the way we see it. Well, if that's the way I see it, why wouldn't God say, well, then why can't I talk to me in me? Why can't me and me have a conversation through thee and not have to borrow your language to do so? To go back to the next verse. We'll end right here. And we know now that God causes everything to work together. Once I learned to let this spirit in me who's living talk to Abba out there via borrowing my expressions of words That the Father can understand what the Spirit is saying even though I can't. In that moment, all things work together. Go to two days ago. And what spurred this message today. About one in the morning, my sweet bride wakes me up and says, you got to pray for me now. I think you're going to have to take me to the emergency room. And I kind of come out of a sleep like, oh, what are you talking about? And she says, my head, my head, I've got a migraine. My head, it's getting worse. It won't go away. I need you to pray for me now. So I do what every husband would do. I mean, it's 1.30 in the morning. You think I'm spiritual? No. And and I'm, I'm so dumb. I'm just dumb. My first reaction was not pop out of bed, sprint to the hospital. My first reaction, how holy ghost spirit-filled I am, why she puts up with me, don't know. My first reaction, well, did you take a Cedron migraine? <laughs> Who wants to be married to something like that? She wakes me up and says, I think I'm going to have to go to the emergency room I got a migraine. My first reaction, well, dummy, did you take a Cedron migraine? I don't know why she stays with me but she sits up in bed she's my head my head you gotta pray and so I pray I said well let's just believe if you're taking medicine it'll work lay back down take a bath she said I can't you gotta get out of bed you gotta take me now and I said okay okay so she goes and does whatever to get ready and, and I spring out of bed but I do it privately in my heart that I'm ticked I'm not ticked at her I we were married. I will give my soul for this woman. I don't really care. You don't even take it? I'll take it. That wasn't what I was mad about. I literally was mad. Because I was laying in bed, and in an instant of thing, I had a thought, God, when will you ever help me? I have gone through chemo with her, cancer with her, I have my granddaughter that's got some kind of weird diagnosis of cystic fibrosis and here I sit praying for her to be healed. You don't even heal her. Now we got to get out of bed and go to a hospital and this was my exact words because I'm trying to do what you're asking me to do, pray and she's not healed and I don't even have a clue why you won't even help me out to just answer one prayer. The very fact I'm still alive, should shock you. That the Heavenly Father just didn't blow my bowels open and go, I'm done with you. That I would have the audacity to dare talk to Him in that tone of voice. But I was just frustrated with Him. I was like, I I wish, I even said, I wish just for once you would just stop this hell that's coming against my life and give me some reprieve. Right, I don't tell her that because I want to freak her out like I'm going off the deep end. Like I'm about to turn into an atheist. I get in the car. My heart's racing. She's... And I think she'll testify to this. I just did what I taught you to do. Sitting in a car, driving to the emergency room. This is how it went. She's over there, head holding. I'm angry at God. That's all I knew to do Is I I was just at wit's end But I decided in that moment To just let the spirit in me Talk to daddy a minute Because this old boy can't get out of the way And I'm just ticked right now, and I don't even know what to say in English, so I just need to let this God have a conversation with that God about me. And so all the way to the hospital. I wasn't even doing it loud because she's got a migraine. I don't even expecting God to heal her. I don't even care anymore. I'm going to the. I'm going to go spend three thousand dollars to get her a shot. And about a nine-minute drive. Pull up to the emergency room. Her exact words. Park right here for a minute before we go in. I feel like it's starting to subside. (laughs) Now, I don't know. I would have never told her that I was ticked at God. None of her business. I'm a big enough boy. I don't even need that on her shoulder. But the moment she said, pull over right here, I feel like it's subsiding, give me a minute. I felt as if God himself sat on the hood of my car and went, (laughs) like literally. I literally felt as if God almost just opened the door and said, get out a minute and let me drive. I really felt like he's like, really, you've been saved this long and it takes you that long to figure this out? Like, I I didn't think he was mad back. I felt like he just did what every Abba father would do. Mark, I've already told you a thousand times what to do, but your brain takes over. I've already told you that there are going to be times in your weakness where I just want to have a conversation with myself through you, and if you'll let me do it, I will give you such overwhelming peace. We sat there another ten minutes, and she said, let's just go home. We went home, she walked in the bed, she laid down the bed, four minutes later, she's doing what she does better than any woman. And it, it normally irritates the snot out of me that she snores. I'm sure I snore. Look at my belly. But women aren't supposed to snore. They're just supposed to. Be. Oh no, she's she's not snoring. And I it. you guys, I usually shake her and go, God, get up, you're just driving me nuts roll over but she sat there snoring like a freight train and I laid beside her just grinning to God like man just let her snore on God you know? <laughs> I'll snore all you want to snore woman my God has brought me through now I, I leave you with that today I don't know what you believe about speaking in tongues or what some preacher told you. It's for everybody, not for everybody. I just tried to share with you my logic that sometimes the groaning of the Spirit, is nothing more than the Father talking to the Spirit to join with you to bring you to a place of overcoming. Bow your head. Now your job is to answer a question. Are you sick of living in your logic? Consistently frustrated, anxious, fearful, wondering where God is and why He won't, wishing He would, sometimes maybe even ticked at Him, mad at Him, blaming it on the devil, and He's just simply asking you, would you just let me have a conversation with myself for a moment so that I can help you overcome would you just open your mouth and maybe make a groaning that you can't even write in English so that I could bring you to a place of working your life out? Would you just be humble enough to let my spirit pray through you? Would you be humble enough to open your mouth and let me have a conversation with myself about you where my spirit is pleading for you to me as your father? Or are you going to just live in logic praying your English words of frustration and anxiety and bitterness or would you leave religious logic behind and just say, Holy Spirit, have your way. That is my prayer for you today. I wish I could explain it, but if I could, it might not be what God intended it to be. Which is just, He needs your brain to shut up a minute and He just wants the Spirit to speak through you. Now, for those of you that are spirit-led in your prayer life, you should take it more seriously from now on and not just some religious thing. And for those of you that have never just opened your mouth and maybe prayed with a spirit language before, this would be a great morning to just come to the communion table and say, well, God, I guess it is true you want to talk to yourself through me. And I'll let you do it. And then you just kind of maybe do what I did. I just. don't even really know what I was saying. But I don't have to. I know he knows. And the end result is. It just worked. Would you stand with me if you will?
1: Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.